KYW Original Podcasts. This is KYW In-Depth. I'm Suzanne Monahan. Many colleges and universities have announced plans to bring students back on campus in the fall. Some of these plans include reducing the number of students on campus, having only one person per dorm room, banning parties, requiring masks, eliminating dining, cafeteria service, and creating family-sized clusters of students in dorms who can only socialize with each other. Now, these schools are planning to keep a tight rein on students when the college experience is largely about freedom. And the stakes are high. If cases rise on campus, they may once again be forced to close. But are these plans realistic? Temple University psychology professor Dr. Lawrence Steinberg has been studying risk-taking for more than 20 years, and he says expecting students to comply long-term with the guidelines is a fantasy. Schools seem to have good intentions by trying to bring kids back safely, but in large part, the success depends on students' willingness to comply. Well, there are a variety of plans. I think they're, they're the obvious things, like having hand sanitizer readily available and um, distributing and uh, encouraging students to wear masks and practicing social distancing um, in, in classrooms. Uh, some campuses are also reconfiguring dormitories to move students into single rooms uh, so that they're not living in close contact with each other. Um, but I think an underlying assumption for all of these plans and, um, is that the plans expect students to, um, to comply and to behave in ways that are going to minimize um, exposure to each other and to other members of the campus community. And um, I'm just not so sure that we can, we can expect that to be done to the extent that it would need to be done to make the program successful. Yeah, and some of the plans seem unrealistic. For example, I was reading one university's guidelines, and they said that they expect students to wash their masks in between uses. Well, that doesn't make much sense, and I don't believe that the masks are made to be washed unless they're using some other kind of kind of mask. Um, you know, students may do that. What 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 I worry about is what might go on in the in in the evenings when students begin congregating and partying and um you know i mean this is an age group that is very prone to risky activity and behavior we know that there's a lot of binge drinking on college campuses i think if kids are binge drinking that you know they're they're probably not likely to practice social distancing or or other safe behaviors well, exactly. I mean, isn't part of or a large part of going to college the social aspect? Oh, I think it's it's primarily the social aspect, um, not only for the partying, but because students learn a lot from each other, from their classmates. And clearly that can't be replicated by online instruction. Um, on the other hand, we're in the midst of a very unusual and hopefully temporary situation. And if schools decided to stay exclusively online this fall, it would deprive the students of some of the social experience that they go to college for, but it would at least keep them on pace to graduate uh, in time or close to in time. And I think that we ought to sacrifice the social experience for one semester in order to protect the health, uh, not only of the students, but of the faculty and staff. Uh, and the members of the community who live who live uh, nearby campus. 
Right. Because, you know, even uh, some schools, you know, they, like you mentioned, they're having it so you don't have a roommate. But then in turn, many students have been denied housing. So right. those students are going to be commuting back and forth. There's no way to control who they're coming into contact with. So while these may be good intentions on the part of these schools, I just don't see how it realistically can happen. I, I agree entirely. Um, and, and I don't, uh, look, I, uh, I've been a professor for more than 40 years. I love teaching. I really look forward to the day when we're all back on campus together doing in-person instruction because I don't for a moment believe that that online instruction can ever uh, replicate that experience. Um, and I have really tried thinking about this over the last month or so about what might be done that might work. And I really can't come up with any solution. No, there, there really isn't any perfect solution. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting because you and your colleagues actually did a study about risky behavior. Yeah, that has been the focus of my research for the last 20 years or so. We have studied risk-taking both in the real world and also in the experimental laboratory conditions where we can um, give people risk-taking tasks and see how they perform. Um, And we've done this research not only in the United States, but around the world. And the peak age for risk-taking in all countries is between the ages of 20 and, and 24. Um, well, that's the population that that colleges are hoping to persuade not to take risks. So, as I said in the op-ed, uh, I can't think of an age that's going to be harder to deter from taking um, risks than, than the undergraduate college population. So if you had a crystal ball and could predict how this would work out, what would be your thoughts? Well, I think, of course, it's going to vary from, from place to place. And, and you might see a different pattern in a small liberal arts college like Vassar, where I went to college, um, and a large public university like Penn State, for example. But what I think is going to happen generally is that for the first couple of weeks, um, students are going to follow the rules. And then they're going to start to get either lazy or frustrated um, or, or just simply tired of it. And we'll start to see them not wearing masks as often, um, not socially distancing, and engaging in activities with their um, dorm mates and with um, the students who might not live in the same dorm, but uh, whom they socialize with. And I, and I think you're going to start to see a, a big increase in cases on campus. And these colleges who are, you know, the ones that are planning to not have fall break and keep kids, uh, you know, sort of isolated on the campus until Thanksgiving, they can't enforce that. You can't make a, a, a college campus a prison. No, you can't. I mean, I think that the whole, the whole idea depends on the good faith of students to follow the rules that their institution have set out for them to follow. And I think many will. But I also think that many won't. And, you know, this is this is a unique situation in that it only takes, um, you know, a small number of people in a closely knit community um, to to start a large scale infection. So without widespread and consistent compliance, I, I don't see how these plans can work. Yeah. And you really feel for, you know, I'm thinking, you know, back to being a college freshman, even though it's hard to remember back that far. But, you know. It, just how isolating it would feel to be on a new campus. It's your first time living away from home. You don't have a roommate to sort of navigate those first days with a large part of 
how you uh, attach to a campus has to do with the friends you make and your social connections. Sure. And you think about how colleges are changing their dining plans to kind of grab and go food. So now we're going to expect the college students to grab food, uh, sandwiches or whatever, and then go back to their rooms by themselves and eat so that they're not eating with their classmates. I mean, it just, I don't see how this makes the college experience any better than online instruction. And it's a lot less safe. And, you know, it's not just the students who, um, you know, have a lot to consider. The teachers, I would imagine many have their own concerns about going back to school. Well, I, you know, I think there are a lot of faculty members around the country, at least many, you know, hundreds who have been in touch with me, um, who don't want to go back into the classroom. Now, fortunately, I work at Temple University, which has been very generous in allowing faculty members to decide what their preference is. Um, not all universities have, have been doing this, so I feel very fortunate to be on the Temple's faculty. Yeah, that's the thing. A lot of these plans are still, you know, really not um, out yet. And, and you can understand why, because you're trying to predict the future with something that is very unpredictable. Right. And I think the other factor in here, of course, is the financial one. I mean, there's no question that moving from in-person to online instruction for an entire semester is going to be costly. And I think we're going to have to hopefully look to Congress to help colleges and universities ride this out. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Suzanne Monahan, and we'll have another episode out soon.